again, as always, uh, <clears throat> seeing these things wrong, I always pray that what I speak is truth and not error. But uh, turn, if you would, with me to uh, Hebrews. Kind of shared a little bit of this with my kids yesterday, some of my thoughts about this. Like I said, uh, there's a lot of things that have sparked to think about over the weekend that we had, and uh, I'm always thankful that the Lord teaches me something, you know. It's always good to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we often hear, um, I'm sure probably everybody in here has heard this, and maybe even said it, Hebrews 11 is known as the, the Hall of Faith, right? We call it the Hall of Faith. And we kind of make that play off of the Hall of Fame, right? That's basically what we're kind of saying is these people that's mentioned in Hebrews 11 is the spiritual Hall of Fame. Uh... Or the spiritual hall of faith is what we call it to make it sound more sanctimonious, I guess. <laughs> but it's called the the hall of faith, as if this is a uh, is this as if this is a segment of society that the Lord uh, has given for us to look to, and how great these people were in the exercising of faith. Now, I'm, I don't assume that on anybody else's understanding of it. That is my estimation of what this chapter represented for many years. Is that, here you go, if you want an example, matter of fact, the Bible says here that this was a great cloud of witness, right? But these were a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, now, even at that, I had a completely different understanding of that. I used to think that Everybody in heaven was looking down on us, saying, cheering us on in the faith, you know. Exercise that faith. Exercise that faith. Believe on Christ. Choose Christ. Decide for Jesus. Or, with your faith, pull through. Stand fast. Hold fast. Persevere. Well, then I realized that this cloud of witness is not people in heaven looking down upon us, but the cloud of witnesses were those that who went before us was a witness of the same things that we are looking at. The same things that we are seeing. They was a cloud of witnesses to the testimony of God that had been given to them. Uh, and as I mentioned, I had preached uh, during the Bible conference, I preached about the testimony of God. The testimony of God is the person and the work of Jesus Christ alone, and that is established into the heart uh, of every child of grace by the Holy Spirit of God. And the truth of that, and the and the work of that, and the and the enjoyment of that is all by the revelation of the Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit reveals to us the truth of the testimony of God. The testimony of God does not ha does not have any. Matter of fact, none of us, I, the I's, the we's, the us, the brethren, the thing, are not included in that testimony of God as far as the accomplishment of it. 
We are not considered in the test. The testimony of God is singular. The testimony of God is Christ and Him crucified. Matter of fact, before we kind of get into this, let me just kind of remind you of that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 uh, and verse, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul made that very clear. He said, And I, brethren, whenever I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. What was Paul's uh, subject whenever he preached? The testimony of God. What was the testimony of God? Verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We also find that over in uh, chapter 1 and verse 5. The scripture says that in everything ye are enriched by Him being... Christ in all utterance and in all knowledge. So what is this knowledge that Paul had? He, I, I determined not to know anything among you. That we have been enriched in all utterance and knowledge. What is the knowledge that has been given to us? Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So we see here that the testimony of God or the testimony of Christ uh, is the knowledge that God imparts to the child of grace and only to the child of grace. And He does that and reveals that by His Spirit. Verse 10, But God hath revealed them, what is the things, what is the them referred to? Back to verse 9, the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. He hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Verse uh, Verse uh, 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So without kind of rehashing what I preached on the other day, just to go back and, and lay kind of a foundation that the testimony of Christ, we can call it the testimony of God, the testimony of Christ. Another word that the Bible uses for this is the report. Remember, uh, in the Old Testament, the Bible says, Who hath believed our report? Whenever, Christ, whenever Paul came to the Corinthians and preached, declaring unto you the what? We could say easily, the report. What was the report that Paul brought to them? The report of Jesus and Him crucified. And in that passage, it says, Who hath believed our report? Well, who are the ones who have believed our report? The ones to, unto whom the Lord, uh, the arm of the Lord, had been revealed. It's a revealing, it's a revelation, and it's only by the power of God that that revelation comes through the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God reveals. The Spirit of God is the one who has the power to give us understanding. Who are dead in trespasses and sin. Who are. Uh, dead to the things of the Spirit, who know not, matter of fact, in uh, 1 Corinthians 2 again, what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the only one that knows all the report, and all the things about the report, and is the only one who can reveal to natural man the things of the Spirit. Why? Does he reveal it to the natural man? No, the natural man doesn't ever receive those things. That's what verse uh, 
14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So who is it that receives the knowledge, the testimony of God? Who is it that receives the testimony of God? The spiritual man. Because it says right there, We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things freely given of us. What is the things freely given to us? That's the testimony of God. That's the thing. What has been freely given to us? Christ Jesus has been given to us. Him in His person and Him in His finished work. His obedience, His death, everything that He procured on our behalf, everything that He uh, substituted on our behalf as our proxy, that is freely given to us. And therefore... If we are to receive, believe, to stand upon, to stand firm in, if we're to do that, we have to be first made spiritual because these things are spiritually discerned. We can't discern them by the natural man. They're spiritually discerned and it's revealed by the Spirit. So the spiritual man is revealed the spiritual teachings about Christ by the Spirit of God Himself. That's who teaches us. That's how we are taught anything that has to do with the spiritual kingdom of God. Now, with that being the case now, who hath believed our report? Who hath believed the testimony of God? Who hath done all these things? <clears throat> the Bible says in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith. Now this is another term that we use for believing, who hath believed our report, or who hath faith in the report. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I know we've all heard this passage many, many times, quoted this passage many, many times, probably heard many, many sermons on these, this passage. But if I take this for what face value of what this is, it says faith is the substance. It's a substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Then that means to me, at least in my understanding, and again, I may have this completely wrong, but faith substantiates what is hoped for. Faith is the substantiation of what is hoped for. What does it substantiate mean? Well, substantiate means is to make certain or to make proof or to or to uh, or to show forth uh, the validity of something. Right? To substantiate something is to show the validity of what has been said about it. Well, faith then is the substance or the substantiation of what has been hoped for. Me believing on the report or the testimony of God substantiates that I have been made spiritual because the natural man cannot believe on that report unless he has first been made spiritual. So for anyone to have faith in Christ alone and the testimony of Christ and Him crucified to be believing, not just a one-time first, I believed upon Christ, a continual believing, trusting faith in Christ Jesus as our only hope, 
then that belief, that faith, is a gift of God that came through the Spirit of God to the spiritual man, and it substantiates the fact that what Christ did on that cross has been laid to us. So in that regard, faith is evidence of salvation, okay? Because only those who have been saved, not to get saved, but faith is something that is because we have been saved. I know a lot of people like to say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Meaning that if you'll believe on Christ, then you will be saved, that Christ will then accept you and, uh, and uh, give you salvation. But the fact that we are believing is because we are already saved. Thou shalt believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be. That is your position. That is your standing with God is saved. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be a saved one. Because only saved ones substantiate by faith the hope that is in Christ Jesus. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The things, what are the things hoped for? Well, I don't know about you, but the things that I understand as being hoped for are those things we just seen in 1 Corinthians, the things which are freely given to us. The things in Ephesians chapter 1. All spiritual blessings which God has given us in Christ before the world began. I mean, those are the things to me that, that are the things hoped for. I, I hope for... All those things to be given to me. Now, we can name a lot of things in there, right? We can name, number one, righteousness. We have a hope for righteousness that is not ours. We can't have a righteousness of our own. So we hope that Christ's righteousness is our righteousness that has been given to us by imputation. We hope that Christ has justified us before God. We hope that we are the sanctified people of God set apart as the elect of God whom all these blessings are come upon. We have a hope that that God is going to give us repentance, that God is going to give us faith. We have a hope that God is going to uh, preserve us. We have a hope that God is going to sustain us, that God is going to give us joy, that God is going to give us, um, uh, 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 even in the trying of our faith, that He is going to give us perseverance to, to continue uh, in these things. These are the things that we hope for. These are the things that we look for. And so it says here, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence. Faith is, is not only substantiating the very fact that we have been saved, but it's the evidence that all of what Christ did, He did for us, and therefore has given to us. Otherwise, we would not be having this faith. And he said, for by it the elders obtained a good report. See, that's where I got, got that. See, again, <laughs> I may be looking at this wrong. For by it, what? Faith. For by faith the elders obtained. That means that they received a good report. It doesn't say that by this the elders presented a good report or was an example of a good report. 
No, it says, by this they obtained a good report. They heard the report about Christ and obtained that good report through faith. I believe that every one of those Old Testament saints, the Lord gave the testimony of God to, the Lord gave faith to, that faith was substantiated and evidenced by the fact that they received the report. They obtained that report and believed it. Unto whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Everyone who by faith received that or obtained that report and believe it. The arm of the Lord has been revealed to them. The power of God. Isn't that what the Bible says? That the gospel is the power of God? Well, the power of God is the one that reaches into their heart and changes their heart, changes their mind, gives them faith to believe something that they could not believe in the natural man. So if that's the case, if the report to believe, and whether that report be on the person and work of Jesus Christ, which I believe that is the main issue of the report, but ultimately, anything that God says, if God says something to us, gives us a report of anything, gives us a testimony of anything, whatever the Lord has given us in His Word, faith believes that. If we don't have faith given by God, we can't believe that, and we won't believe that. We might try to believe something on that for a time being, but whenever the things of life, whenever the hardships come, whenever the persecution comes, whenever selfishness comes, whenever everything comes, just like the, the, the parable of the sower and all the seeds falling on different grounds, it's going to be taken away. It's going to go away. Only those who have the good ground is anything going to take plant or take root and going to going to grow? Well, same thing with faith. Faith is only going to continue as God enables it to continue, and that only happens in the child of grace. It never happens in the reprobate, but it always happens in the child of grace. So, the elders have obtained a good report. Now it starts going through. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. What does that mean? Well, that means that by faith, God, God said that he created the worlds. Well, faith believes that God did that. I wasn't there when God did that. We don't have any video evidence of that. We don't have any living proof that was standing there when God did all these things. We don't have that. But God said it. And faith that has been given to us believes that God did it because if God said it, we take it to the bank that that's what happened, right? So faith believes the things that God said, believes the things that God did. And then there's example after example after example after example after example of people who by faith God said something, they believed that something and did something. By faith, Abel... Uh, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. By faith, by faith, by faith. And we go down here and see that, and to the, to the natural mind, we look at that and we say, look at their such great faith. Look at them, let's hold them up as examples to us. This great cloud of witness that has gone before us and see the triumph of their faith and how well they did and and if you'll just get after it and, and have faith like they had, then you too will do these great 
things. But brethren, we have to always remember, whether it's Hebrews, whether it's Corinthians, whether it's Ephesians, Galatians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, whatever book of the Bible it is, every one of these books of the Bible is written to testify of the center or the, the main context of God's report. Jesus Christ. Listen, Hebrews isn't written here to glorify or to exalt these men or these women that are in here. It isn't here to tell us to look how great these men were. It isn't here to even see that we, if we would just put our faith into action, can do the great deeds these people did. No, it is a report or a record of how God exercised faith in them, not how they exercised faith in God. It's God who actually lays to the heart or to the soul of a man faith. He works faith in them. This is a testimony of Christ, not of these people. Look with me in, uh, well, look at, at uh, Hebrews 1. Let me take a look here. I think it's Hebrews 1, but I'm not sure which verse it is. Let me read that through here. Hebrews 1, but anyway, look with me, if you would, uh, back to Galatians chapter 2. Uh, I want you to notice something here, if you would. Galatians chapter 2, and what Paul says about this life and how faith is worked. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in this flesh. And all of us are living a life in this flesh still. For anybody that says, well, the flesh has been done away with, we don't have the flesh anymore, they're incorrect. Paul right here is claiming the life that I now live, that I now live. Whenever he was writing this letter to the Galatians, he was living a life in the flesh. But it says, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not faith in the Son of God, but by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He lived by the faith of the Son of God. God, Christ, was applying faith to the life of Paul that he believed and walked as he did. It was the application and the exercising of faith by Christ in Paul, not Paul working up faith or exercising faith of his own, 
If you want to say working out his salvation, well, it was him working out his salvation by fear and trembling, for it was God who was working in him to will and to do, to exercise, to believe, to stand up and hold fast, or whatever you want to add there. But here, Paul says, it isn't my faith in the Son of God. And now, let me just say, so nobody will get uh, confused, we do have faith in Christ Jesus. We have faith in what He did and in who He is. We do have faith in Him. But this here is not talking about a belief in what He did, but it is an exercising of the faith to believe what He did. To believe what He says. There's a difference in believing in something and having something laid upon the heart so that you will believe. See, the exercising of faith is God exercising His gift of faith upon us. And once the gift of faith is exercised upon us, then we believe. The Bible says that it is given unto man a measure of faith by Christ, right? We have a measure of faith. He measures out the faith. But a lot of times we hear preachers preach that there's just this bucket of faith that we can just grab up whatever amount we want whenever we want it if we'll just hold fast and do it. Faith is something that has to be exercised in us, not us exercising. Back to Hebrews. We are, or in verse, uh, chapter 10, it says, Now the just shall live by Faith, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but unto them that believe to the saving of the soul. One of the things that faith as a gift has been given to us is that we believe unto salvation. Not for salvation, but we believe unto salvation. We believe showing forth. As a matter of fact, that's what came next in the, in the, in the letter. We believe showing forth that we have been saved. Our believing is the showing or the, or the revealing or the experience of evidence that we have been saved. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so, by that faith that is exercised in us by God, these, uh, these men and anybody else who is a child of God believes what God says. If you go down all that list and you see all of what was done by all of these people, matter of fact, you get into verse uh, 34, you start, or 33, or let me see here, it's verse 32, I'm sorry. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and, and of Barak and of Samson and of uh, Jephthah of David also, and Sam, Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness. You notice it said through faith and not by their faith. It was through faith, through the activity or the work of faith in them, that they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight and the armies of the aliens, 
Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, they, uh, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. These aren't great feats that they did. These were experiences that they encountered because they believed the report. I mean, if someone's burnt at the stake, uh, they're exercising the faith. Uh, did, I mean, what is that accomplishing? Other than the fact that they held to the report without wavering. Isn't that what they said? And the just shall live by faith. We are not the ones that will draw back unto perdition. That we will continue believing these things despite the circumstances. That God will give us faith to endure these things. See, this isn't something that these people had faith in so that they could get something. None of these people probably was saying, hey, I hope to get burned on that stake out there and lit as a torch in the streets for Nero. None of them guys did that. But yet, God exercised faith in them to hold fast to the report that no matter what persecution came upon them, they continued to believe the report. But notice if you would, and I'll kind of wrap up with this. I don't have a whole lot more thoughts on this. and Maybe if any brothers do, you can expand some more on it. Uh, in verse 12, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, so all these, this cloud of witnesses, and see again, it's not, they are not the witnesses to us, but we have a great cloud of witnesses who witnessed the report. They witnessed the report of God giving them faith to do these things. They witnessed the, the work of God in their lives to accomplish the things that they accomplished. To, do, to hold to the truth of what was told to them. They were witnesses of the miraculous, powerful work of God in granting faith. They were witnesses to that. It says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now again, is that an admonition for us to do something? Absolutely. The Bible is admonishing us to let us lay, uh, uh, lay aside every weight and sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. But brethren, again, let's not exalt man in what he is doing or can do or trying to do, Let's exalt, how do we run? How do we lay off? How do we uh, run with patience? Only We can only do that whenever we are granted a measure of faith. It's all because of God who works in us to do these things. But notice if you would here, and, and this is kind of what I was trying to get to, and hopefully it is somewhat clear. All of these acts of faith that is read throughout all of chapter 11 of, of these people and the exercising of that faith in them, we cannot exalt their act of faith because we find here Paul makes it extremely clear, looking unto Jesus, the author 
and the finisher of our faith. These men would not have done a single bit of anything had not Jesus first authored faith in them. And brought that faith to a finish. He is the author of our faith. He is also the finisher of our faith. A lot of people forget about the finished part. They say he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Well, we all understand what the author means. It means he's the one who grants it, who gives it. He's, that's where it starts. But what about the finisher part? Have you ever thought about the finisher part? He is the author and the finisher of faith. That means every act of faith from its inception to its conclusion is all Christ. How long do I persevere? How long do I walk in faith in this? How Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Christ was the author of that woman's faith to hide her son. But God was also the finisher of that faith that once that was completed, she had that faith until the very end, until it was over with. If God has anything for you to do with faith, He's going to be not the inst not only the instigator of it, but He's also going to sustain it until His purpose and ends for it is done. And that kind of applies to everything, not just the gospel, to anything. I mean, because all of these things that's in Hebrews and, and has anybody noticed that made, made a note of that. In Hebrews 11, all those things that they did had nothing to do with the gospel, actually. None of that was about believing on righteousness for, for salvation. It was trusting the Word of God. It was following God in what He said, and in following God for what He said, the Bible says that was faith that was worked in them to do those things. And God gave them the faith for a time, and then He took it away. Samson. He gives Samson faith for quite a while. But then he took it away, didn't he? And then what happened? He got all loosey-goosey with a girl that he shouldn't have been with, as far as our understanding. That was God's purpose and plan all along. But what happened with Delilah? She came and cut his hair. He lost all of his strength. Ended up chained, chained up, pinned up. How eyes gouged out. But then God gave him faith once again, right? He was the author and the finisher of Samson's faith on different occasions. He's the author and the finisher of our faith in every occasion that we have faith. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation, and, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint whenever thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. And what sons is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had 
fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we have gave them reverence, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joy, joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, and let it be rather be healed. Follow peace without, with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and uh, tempest, and uh, the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they uh, that they voice they that heard entreated that the words should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so uh, much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with the dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion. Now, this is, a, this is in the present. Ye are come, not ye will come, or ye eventually will come. It's ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, unto innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men, made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth that the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, those thing, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Now that whole thing was to tell us that God is the one who works in us this faith and that there will be times when Christ is the author of that and there are times that he's going to be the finisher of that and then those times whenever we as we see here lack faith there'll be chastening we're going to have times where we are strong in faith there are going to be times when we are not strong in faith there are going to be times when we experience these mountaintops. There are going to be times when we're going to experience chastening. But through all of that, Paul says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. We live by Him exercising faith. If we continue in faith to the end, 
It isn't because we did it under our own ability and our own strength. But we did it because Christ, who is our faith, has kept us. The only feats of faith that we see, and these people were great examples of feats of faith, the only reason they did that is because of the author and the finisher of faith. So whenever we speak of these things, brethren, let's always speak and exalt Christ in these things and not lift up man uh, as the example. Because God surely didn't write this so that we might uh, think a lot about Noah and a lot about Abraham and a lot about uh, uh, anybody else. He did it so that we might glorify in Christ Jesus. Anyway, those are some of my, my thoughts on that. Scattered though they be. Anybody got any comments or anything? Anything you'd like to add to that? Or any other thoughts about it? Very encouraging. Huh? Very encouraging. <clears throat> I mentioned something in my message the other day, and it's just something I guess that gets in my crawl. <laughs> is uh, when men try to exalt men, I believe in all the preaching of the scripture, there is a continual debasing of man and an exalting of Christ. And if our preaching goes in the opposite direction, where we're exalting Christ, or exalting man, and what man does, and what man has a responsibility to do, then in turn we are now debasing Christ because we are saying man has been given something to keep up and that Christ isn't the one who is doing it all. And so I think we need to be careful in that. Even among men who know that, yeah, it is God that's working in this. Yeah, it is God who gives us the strength. Yeah, it's God who gives us faith. But he does give it to us for us to have to do. We have to do something, right? See, again, the whole argumentation is putting the emphasis on the man. We're just the vessels. We're just the creations. We're just the tools in God's hand. And whether he picks us up today, you know, I got out in this backyard. Uh, if you go back there, and please don't because it's a mess. But if you go in the backyard, I was out there the other day and we was getting the dog ready to put in the pen back there before we left. Walked out there and was going to clean out his cage and everything. I needed a rake. Well, laying against the house was a rake. So I grabbed that rake and I picked that rake up and I raked it and then I laid, flipped it back. Then we needed a shovel. Well, there's a shovel laying out in the ground somewhere out in the yard. Zach went over and picked up the shovel. Came over and I shoveled stuff up and put it in the trash can. Put the, put the shovel back. Then we had a water hose. I had to hook a water hose and fill this thing. These were all tools. And for a moment, I needed the rake. And I used the rake. I used the shovel. And I used the hose. Now, is anybody going to exalt in the rake, the shovel, and the hose of who cleaned up that thing? No. Who cleaned it up? I did. Well, how do you think Jesus feels whenever we start exalting man for, oh, I built this great ark, saved all my family. Ooh, I put that kid in that basket, and now Moses, the great leader, came forth. You know? Whenever we start exalting men in all of what they do, then we begin to debase, deface, and not give glory that is due and honor that is due Christ Jesus. It is, it is the exaltation of Christ that we should put in the center of all of our preaching, all of our testimonies. You know, that's another thing. Whenever I hear, you know, often I ask when people come, 
uh, in the past that have you know, wanted to be a part of the church and everything. I asked them, you know, well, tell me about your salvation experience. If it was I, 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 I used to do this, but now I quit doing that, and I, you know, all this stuff. That testimony substantiates where their hope is. Their hope was in their reformation. Their hope was in they did this, they did this, and they did this. And because of that, now they are something. right? But see, our faith substantiates something as well. Our faith substantiates that everything was done in God, by Christ. That's what divine faith substantiates, is Christ alone. That's the message alone. That's the hope alone. That's the exaltation alone. And in the end, that's going to be Him alone. We're, we're not going to be sitting up on a little platform next to Him on the throne. No, we're all going to be down around the throne, giving praise to the only one on the throne. And uh, whenever we come in, the term, well done thy good and faithful servant, is not going to be directed by God to each one of us, it's going to be directed to our head as we follow Him. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And because you were good and faithful, I accept all them as good and faithful in you. See, He's the good and faithful servant, not us. Anyway, that's my thoughts. Alright. Anybody got anything to mention? Alright. Brother, would you pray for us? Father, we thank you for this lesson that your complete authoring and finishing of our faith, of your faith in us. We pray that you would take this message and apply it to our hearts and that we would continually exalt Christ as our Savior, Lord and King. We ask in Christ's name.